listening to the Up and Under podcast, starting in 3, 2, 1. Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome into the Up and Under podcast. I'm your host, Hani. Join with me, as always, it's Zeeshan. Yo. All right, man. So as promised, if you haven't checked out last week's episode, definitely do so. We broke down our Eastern Conference All-Star picks Um and again, as promised, we're here this week to bring you guys our Western Conference picks. And you know, with the Eastern Conference, kind of what we mentioned in last week's episode, it was it was a lot more cut and dry than, than years have passed. You know, there's a lot more star power that has moved from the West to the East, which made things a little bit easier to kind of predict. But the Western Conference is completely different. You know, now there's more competition, there's more, there's newer teams. And the West, I would say, has the better basketball product in terms of you have a lot more competition from all the playoff potential playoff teams in the conference. Well, I think it's like throughout the whole conference, I would say it's a little bit more competitive. But in terms of Eastern Conference, the top teams are more competitive than the Western Conference. I think the top teams from the East are better. Also, we have to say, um, I guess I, we can announce our amendment to the Eastern Conference team we announced last week. Looking back, we might have made a mistake, and we'll own up to it, um, uh, if you agree. But for me personally, I think instead of Bradley Beal, we should have had Darius Garland as our last pick. But either way, you can't go wrong, but Darius Garland is... He's good, bro. I mean, we chose the bigger name in Bradley Beal, so, I mean, you can't really blame us, but at the same time, I mean, Darius Garland is definitely having a great season, and he's definitely making a good case for himself to become an all-star this season. But we're not talking about the Eastern Conference all-stars. We're talking about the Western Conference all-stars. And just like, obviously, the Eastern Conference, the format is the same. For the starters, there's going to be two guards and three forwards. Uh, And for the reserves, there's going to be, again, two guards, three forwards, but two wildcard spots as well. So starting off with the starting five for the Western Conference all-stars, first guard spot, we're going to give it to none other than Steph Curry. Um, the guy has been on an absolute tear this season. I mean, he already broke the all-time record in three-pointers made. He is was a front-runner or has been in the discussion for the MVP race since the beginning of the season. And he's been a big reason why the Warriors have been as good as they, they have been, despite Clay missing, like, basically half the season. Well, and, basically the whole season to this point. Yeah, pretty much. Clay's been out for like two years, and Steph Curry's been carrying the load. I mean, he's averaging 26 points per game, five rebounds, six assists, shooting 42% from the field, 38% from three. Again, what's more there, what is there more to say about Steph Curry besides the fact that he's one of the best players in the league right now? He is playing at an all-time level, and the Warriors are doing well. Yeah, like, he's he's been on a little bit of a slide. Um, he's kind of pushed himself out of MVP contention in the last couple of weeks. And today, it's been his least efficient season um, in a while. But a lot of that has to do with, notably, you know, a guy that we're going to talk about later and Draymond Green also being out um, and just showcasing his value to the team. But Steph Curry, you know, besides this last stretch of games, especially, I think, too, Steph Curry's had to adjust a little bit with Clay coming back. And obviously, you know, guys like Wiggs, Jordan Poole are going to, you know, go through a stretch of trying to adjust with Klay Thompson being there. And I don't think Steph Curry is any different. But Steph Curry, you know, besides the last couple of weeks, has been on an absolute tear. Uh, like Hani mentioned, he broke the all-time record um, held by Ray Allen in terms of three-pointers made. And he's he's been an MVP candidate 
um, barring these last couple of weeks for the whole season. And again, he's still the greatest shooter of all time. Um, he's arguably the most dangerous offensive weapon in the game today. Um, and I think this has probably been his best defensive season to date as well. He's been really good on that end. Um, that could be a tribute to the fact that, you know, his efficiency has gone down on the offensive end. Perhaps that's why, because he's been playing such great defense. But, you know, to his credit, he's been a good two-way player for the Warriors this season. The Warriors themselves have been, you know, one of the best, you know, top three teams in the league, um, you know, with a top 15 offense and then obviously the best defense in the league. Yeah, I mean, again, so obviously first guard spot, no-brainer, we're going to give it to Steph Curry. The second guard spot, now this is one where, you know, again, if for those of you that haven't been following his career since he was drafted a couple of years ago, I basically was fell in love with this, with this player as soon as I saw him play. But this season, you know, I think since, I guess, the end of November... You know, this his team has just been on an absolute tear. and They've been the best team in the league since, what, November? Yeah, they've been on incredible run. Or maybe the second best besides Phoenix, but the, they've been up there. They've been, they've been up there in the top teams in the league. And a lot of it has to do with this man, and it's John Morant. We're going to give the second all-star, second all-star guard spot to John Morant. And for very good reason. I mean, the guy's averaging nearly 24 points a game. Six rebounds, almost seven assists, shooting 48% from the field, 35% from three. And again, he's leading this young but hungry Memphis team. Job plays hard on offense. He plays hard defensively. The guy, he's, he's, a, he's a bona fide star. He's a bona fide winner. And he's such he's, he's a steal of a pick for the Memphis Grizzlies to get him at the number two pick uh, in the 2019 draft. And to have him perform to these levels is absolutely incredible. Yeah, he's cemented himself as a top MVP candidate um, with these last, you know, however many games. Um, the Grizzlies, for their part, they've kind of resembled... I'll agree with Charles Barkley here in terms of the fact that they've resembled that kind of Spurs, Miami, Toronto-esque team. Where despite whoever's been in or out, they've just been winning. You know, they went on that seven-game winning streak when John Moran got injured... He came back, they lost the game, and then they went on like a 10-game winning streak or whatever it was. So, John Morant has just been the catalyst of a very, very impressive Memphis Grizzlies team overall. You know, from top to bottom, they've just had great contributors on the team. Um, you know, when we talk about guys like Desmond Bain, Steven Adams, Jaron Jackson Jr. Dylan Brooks. Uh, Dylan Brooks. Um, John Conchard just had a huge game as well. Uh, Xavier Tillman, the list goes on. But John Morant's no doubt being the leader of that team. And the fact that he's gotten his team to the third seed in the Western Conference is very impressive in itself. Um, but like I said, he's been just on an absolute tear this season and is a bona fide MVP candidate as of right now. Yeah, again, he's one of my favorite players to watch this season, especially just the way that he... It's a very Westbrook-like approach where he's going to go hard every single night. And I love the way he's very true with the media. He's very true with the fans. Like he told that kid who's wearing the Warriors jersey, that, look, I'm not going to adapt you up until you change your jersey. I respect I stuff respect like that. that. Like it's uh, He's a competitor, and he, he's a, he's definitely a winner, and he definitely deserves to be an All-Star Well, in terms of the Westbrook comparison, I've also heard that, but I would give him more of the comparison of D-Rose. Because D-Rose, no offense to Westbrook, but Westbrook isn't the most high IQ player out there. But in terms of, so, I'm talking about the intensity that he brings, it's Westbrook-like, and yeah. that's something that, you can't teach that, and 
John Moran definitely has that. He for sure deserves to be an all-star this season. Moving us on to the first forward spot of the all-star starters for the Western Conference. And this one, again, people are going to argue it because they always like to I don't to think argue. anybody's arguing it at this point. Well... Maybe in the beginning of the season, not anymore. I mean, people always argue stuff with this guy, and it's LeBron James. Like, LeBron, what's there, what, what's more the, what is there more to say about LeBron James? The guy is in year 19, by the way. Damn, we feel old. And he's still carrying the Lakers. Like, the fact of the matter is the Lakers were trying to get pieces so that LeBron doesn't have to carry the load. But ultimately, it didn't work, and LeBron's having to carry the load. He's averaging... 28.8 points per game, 7.5 rebounds, 6.5 assists, shooting 51% from the field, 36% from three. And remember, he's in year 19 of his career. Yeah, this guy, If again, if the Lakers weren't so bad, he would definitely be an MVP candidate again. But, like, it's LeBron. You know, like, there's nothing more to say about LeBron at this point. But the fact that he's in year 19 and is still managing to carry a team. And again, this is his highest scoring season you know, in a couple of se- in a couple of years, there was that there's that years. there's that graphic of um, you know, ten years ago, KD and LeBron leading the league in scoring, and ten years later, they're both doing the same thing again, which is crazy, right? Shout out Kevin Durant too, but like LeBron, man, like this guy was what the league's leading scorer, uh, twelve, thirteen years ago, around that time, it's and he's while. right up there once again. And again, he's been he's had to carry this Lakers team because they've just been so bad, um, especially defensively. And then on offensive, it's been a complete mess with always disabled and the Rus- Russell Westbrook. So it's just been terrible for the Lakers overall. But you know, Thank once God again, LeBron. the the one bright spot for this team, as is the case with all LeBron led teams, is the fact that they have LeBron James. To carry them on a nightly basis, basically. I, I think it's just him, man. I, like, uh, no matter where he goes, man, he's gonna have to carry the load. He can never catch a break, man. But uh, yeah, LeBron for sure is gonna be an All Star. For sure, he's gonna be an All Star starter this season. Bringing us into the next forward spot. Now, a lot of injuries have definitely played a factor in some of our decision making because there are some key guys who normally would be All Stars in the West are hurt right now or won't be available for the All Star game or haven't played enough to be voted in. Which is why, but there's one player who's obviously has kept maintained his health for the most part this season. He's the reigning MVP. The next forward spot is going to go to Nikola Jokic. Um, again, he's probably the least talked about reigning MVP, I think, in NBA history. Just for the fact that the guy, he won the MVP last year. He's still putting up MVP level numbers. He's putting up 25 points a game, nearly 14 rebounds, 7 assists as a, as a center. He's shooting 56% from the field, 36% from three. And the Denver Nuggets are still in the midst of a playoff spot, despite not having Jamal Murray for the whole season. Bro, despite not having the whole team, basically. Pretty much. Like, the Denver Nuggets have been littered with injuries, but Nikola Jokic is still there. He's still showing up. And he's still leading the team, you know, in the way he's supposed to... Actually, carrying the team to wins, which is still impressive. We talk about, you know, the carrying job that LeBron seemingly did on a yearly basis in Cleveland. This is right up there, in my opinion. Like, Nikola Jokic, the fact that, again, like you mentioned, people aren't even talking about him giving him the respect that he deserves. This guy's a reigning MVP. This guy, in the beginning of season, I don't know what the numbers say right now, but he had literally the most efficient season of all time. He was on pace for the most efficient season of all time. Um, This guy is the best passing big man we've ever seen, no doubt about it. Um, This guy's one of the greatest scoring big men we've ever seen as well, no doubt about it. And this guy's 
improved his defense to the point now where the Denver Nuggets are a good defensive team and they're so much better with him on the court defensively, which would have been an impossible thought a couple of years ago. But, you know, we say great players maintain their greatness because of how hard they work on their game. And Nikola Jokic has definitely worked extremely hard, especially on the defensive end, to the point now where he's a very good defender in his own right. Um, and the stats back that up as well. So Nikola Jokic, again, he's the reigning MVP for a reason. He's once again an MVP candidate. If he's able to get his team up to that fifth, fourth seed, then I think he's going to be in that, you know, one of those top, um, in one of those top spots for an MVP candidacy again. But like, again, like I said, greatest passing big man of all time, one of the best scores, uh, you know, at the big man spot we've ever seen. And arguably the best center in today's league. Yeah, no, for sure. Definitely Nikola Jokic is for sure deserves to be an all-star this season and an all-star starter at that. Which brings us to our final forward spot for the Western Conference all-star starters. And this is one, again, like I was just mentioning, there were some players who we might have put up here instead of, instead of the player that we're about to mention. But the player we're about to mention definitely deserves some of our attention, especially considering how well his team has been playing and how well he's been playing individually. And we're talking about Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert currently averaging nearly 16 points a game, 15 rebounds a game, shooting 71% from the field. Uh, and I, and again, I think he's averaging close to two blocks a game again, which, uh, yeah, he is. He's averaging nearly two and a half blocks a game, which, again, for Rudy Gobert, is still incredible how good he is not only as a deterrent or as a shot blocker, but again, just being a presence now, offensively now. Now he, now he's not just a lob threat. The guy is he's going to grovel every rebound. He's going to dunk it on your head. You know, he's, he's working on the mid-range game a little bit more. But again, it's contributing all for the Jazz to win. And they're the four, I believe, the four seed currently in the Western Conference. And again, he's the, he's the key to their defense. Like he's the key to their defense. And now he's upped his offensive game this season. Well, I mean, he's the key to the team on both sides of the court. The, the reason why the Utah Jazz's offense is as good as it is is because of Rudy Gobert. He's by far their most offensive, most important offensive player. He's not the best offensive player on their team. We'll get into who is, but he's the most important offensive player on their team just because of how much gravity he gets when he, you know, on those dives to the rim, on those pick and rolls. He's, he's the guy that makes the Utah Jazz offense roll. Um, to the degree that it does. And then obviously we know he's one of the greatest defenders of all time. Um, his stats prove that um, multiple-time DPOY winner. Three-time. Yeah. Um, and again, he's just one of the most disrespected stars in today's league just because of the fact that he's not a flashy guy. He doesn't jump out on the stat sheet. You know, casual fans don't really see anything special about him. But if you understand basketball, you understand how good and impactful of a player Rudy Gobert is. No matter what the people say about his playoff performances. Now, again, last year, especially, I feel like he got a lot of flack for no reason. Just because of the fact that... Again, I'll, I'll mention this one more time. What defenders does you, do the Utah Jazz have aside from Rudy Gobert? Royce O'Neal. Mm, That's the it, only guy Again, my point exactly. Which is why... There's a reason why the Utah Jazz defense fails in the playoffs every year. Relying on one guy to carry your defense to the degree that he does is not conducive to long-term success. And this and and the fact that they've been so good defensively with him speaks volumes about how great of a defender he actually is. Yeah, for sure. So those were our Western Conference All-Star starters. Just to recap, the guard spot, we have Steph Curry and John Morant. 
uh, the forwards, we have LeBron James, Nikola, Nikola Jokic, and Rudy Gobert. Which brings us into the All-Star Reserves for the Western Conference this season. And we're going to start off with our first guard spot. And people are going to say say a lot about this pick, especially considering his numbers aren't the most eye-popping. But considering where his team is at and the impact that he has made over the last couple of seasons with this team, there's no doubt about it. The guy deserves to be an All-Star. And we're talking about Chris Paul. Chris Paul, he's currently averaging nearly 14 points a game. About four rebounds, 10 assists, which again is light work for Chris Paul, shooting 47% from the field, 32% from three. And again, like what the Phoenix Suns are the number one seed in the Western Conference, number one seed in the NBA right now. And Chris Paul is a big reason for that because again, he is the floor general. He's the guy that makes this offense go. He's the guy that leads this team on and off the court. And again, his impact, we saw it last season. Maybe we all didn't believe it all last season. This season, the Suns are still winning. They're still doing well. And Chris Paul is a big reason for that. Yeah, Chris Paul, again, he was the best point guard at one time in the NBA. He's still up there. Um, and again, people have really started to value and appreciate his effectiveness and his just his ability as a player in these last few seasons. First with obviously, um, in OKC and then now in Phoenix where he's been, you know, a, a low-key MVP candidate, to be honest. Um, he's the engine that makes the Phoenix Suns run. He's their key on the offensive end. And then defensively, you know, he he's not the same defender he once was, but he can still turn it up when he needs to. And again, this is he's doing all of this, in, you know, in year, what was he, 17, 16, 17, whatever year he is. Yeah, right? like 16. Yeah. So, yeah, like Chris Paul, again, he's called the point guard for a reason. And... You know, the Phoenix Suns have been the best team in the league in large part due to Chris Paul. Yeah. Which, speaking of the Phoenix Suns, because they are the number one seed in the NBA, we feel they deserve two All-Stars. And obviously, based on the play of their two guards, both their starting guards in Chris Paul and, of course, Devin Booker is our second uh, guard spot for the reserves. And again, he's such a good complement to what Chris Paul is because, again, Chris Paul loves to pass the ball. Devin Booker loves to score the ball. Devin Booker is currently averaging 24.6 points per game, 5.3 rebounds, 4.4 assists, shooting 40, nearly 45% from the field, and 40% from three. Devin Booker is just clicking on all cylinders in terms of he scores the ball so effortlessly. Uh, and again, he's a big reason why the Suns are able to be as effective as they are because now you've got playmaking, you're getting scoring, you're getting the entire package, and you're getting defense from their wings you know, good play from the center spot. It's just a well-balanced team. But again, because of the number one seed, they deserve two All-Stars. And Devin Booker is definitely playing at an All-Star level this season. Yeah, Devin Booker has been a recurring All-Star for sure for the past couple of seasons. Um, you know, he's he's gone better on the defensive end. His playmaking really took a jump right before Chris Paul came. Um, obviously, with Chris Paul now, there now, he doesn't have to playmake that much. But he showed he's very capable of playmaking on a very high level. Um, but again, his role on this team is to score, and he's one of the best at that in the league. This guy doesn't really miss shots. He's a master of the mid-range. He doesn't miss his threes. Master of the clutch fadeaway. Yeah. Um, his post-game is elite at a young age. Uh, you know, his finishing could get a little bit better, but you know he doesn't rely on that as much because of the fact that he's such a good shooter overall. So Devin Booker, he's one of the best scorers in the league. And again, he's the second best player um, on the best team in the league. Yeah, for sure. 
So those were the two guard spots, bringing us into the forward spots for the reserves. The first forward spot, and although, you know, he's injured currently right now, uh, the, his play at the beginning of the season when he wasn't, you know, until he got hurt was sensational. And also the, the reason why he was in a lot of MVP discussions at those times. And we're talking about Paul George. You know, Paul George currently averaging about 25 points per game, seven rebounds, five and a half assists, shooting 42% from the field, 32% from three. And again, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard has been out for the whole season, and he's going to probably be out for the remainder of the season. Although well, they said he might come back now. Yeah, there is a possibility that he could come back this season. But again, the, the Clippers really were down their main superstar. So Paul George really stepped up and really was leading this team on both ends of the court, to be honest with you, and really helping the team stay afloat until Kawhi got back. Now, obviously, it kind of sucked that Paul George ended up getting hurt himself, but before he got hurt, he was definitely playing at a near-MVP level. Yeah, know? like, the Clippers were a very good team uh, to start out the season, and, you know, nobody really saw that coming. But Paul George, to his credit, I think was playing the best basketball of his career um, before he got injured. And, you know, that's saying something for a guy who's been that good throughout his whole career um, as a two-way player. And again, Paul George, you know, he was a little bit uncomfortable in his first couple of seasons in L.A. He's kind of gotten a lot more comfortable, and you saw it on the court. You know, he he was just in the zone, right? Like, just a player who knew what he was doing, a veteran player who understood the game on another level, um, who just knew what he was doing, like I said. And without Kawhi there, he really was forced to, you know, up his scoring, um, take a bigger role on the offensive end, you know, take a bigger role on the defensive end. And he really responded to that. And he, like I said, he was playing, I think, the best basketball of his career. Certainly the best basketball I've ever seen him play. Um, and, you know, the Clippers were a very good team to start the season. Now, again, like Hani mentioned, he is injured right now. Um, if he doesn't make the All-Star game, it's basically going to be because of the fact that he didn't get enough games under his belt. But I think just based on the fact that how how good of a player he was before this injury um, and the fact that he was an MVP contention and MVP talks before this injury, I think that's that at least warrants a spot on the bench um, for the All-Star game. Yeah, for sure. Moving us into our next forward spot, and this is where injuries and, you know, the, the lack of, I guess, forwards that have, you know, are in the Western Conference currently, you know, has kind of played... In, you know, came into effect, you know, where it was actually quite difficult to choose, you know, these last, you know, uh, the last couple of forward spots. But I think Zeeshan brought up the point where they are the one of the best teams in the league right now. Uh, we mentioned him earlier, and he's a he's a big reason why the team was on was winning so much when they before he ended up getting hurt. But because he's he's the leader on both ends, like he's the guy that will facilitate the offense and still anchor the defense. And we're talking about Draymond Green. Now, Draymond Green, the numbers aren't eye-popping eye, eye at all. He's averaging about 8 points a game, 7 rebounds, 7 assists, shooting about 53% from the field and 29% from 3. But let's just, let's be real, Draymond's 3-pointer kind of fell out like 4 years ago. But again, the impact he makes, not only being a leader, but also being the guy, you know, just the playmaker, the facilitator offensively that he is, but also the defensive player that he is, you know, just his ability to switch, his ability to just use his head and guard any type of player is why he's so effective and why when he's on the court for the Warriors, the Warriors' defense vaults to being the top defense in the league versus when he's not, it drops significantly. So, yeah, that definitely warrants Draymond being on the All-Star game. Yeah, Draymond Green, like, 
again, he is averaging his triple single, you know, <laughs> you know, so like, again, like you said, that not, the numbers are not eye-popping. Casuals will not respect Draymond Green, but people who know basketball understand how great of a player Draymond Green is. And that can be signif signified more than, you know, the, the lack of success, or at least for their standards, the lack of success the Warriors have had after Draymond Green got injured. We mentioned Steph Curry, his shooting has dropped significantly, and his shooting dropped significantly after Draymond Green got injured. He just does so much for that Warriors offense. It's absolutely insane. His screen setting, the fact that he's the primary playmaker on the team, um, you know, the fact that he, he has that six, six foot seven frame, you can see a lot over the defense. Um, and he's just the engine that makes the Warriors offense run. And then, like you mentioned, they're the top defensive team in the, re uh, for a reason. And when we talk about Draymond Green, I've said this before, I've, I've heard it. I think, uh, Kenny Beecham might've said it. Um, but he is one of those rare players, similar to Rudy Gobert, who is not only part of the defensive system, he is the defensive system in terms of the fact that the Warriors would be nowhere near what they are defensively without a guy like Draymond Green to do everything that he does for you on the defensive end in terms of anchoring the back line, being able to switch out on the perimeter, and just being like a next-level genius on that side of the floor. And so Draymond Green, again, his numbers are not eye-popping, but the fact that the Warriors are the second-best team in the league right now, the fact that they have the best defense in the league, um, and the fact that they had you know, one of the best offensive, one of the best offenses in the league prior to Draymond Green being injured um, proves how good of a player Draymond Green is and why he deserves an all-star nod. Yeah, and I know Warrior fans are going to be like, oh, why didn't you put Wiggins in? But in terms of, we go by who deserves the spot. And in terms of, if we're going to pick two guys from the Warriors, we're going to choose their two most impactful guys, and that's Steph Curry and Draymond Green, just to clear that up. Bringing us into the final forward spot for the Western Conference All-Star Reserves. And we're going to give this one to Carl Anthony Towns. Now, Carl Anthony Towns has obviously had probably the worst year or two, the worst couple of years for any player. And I'm talking more so, not only just on the court, but off the court as well, just in terms of everything that's happened to him. Uh, but he's having a great bounce back year this season. And so have the Timberwolves. Carl Anthony Towns is averaging about 24 points per game, 9 rebounds, about 4 assists, shooting 52% from the field. 41% from three, which I believe is a career high for him. And again, Carl Anthony Towns is, we always knew the talent was always there with Carl Anthony Towns. We always knew that he had that ability to be one of the best bigs in basketball. And again, this year he's proving why he was that in that position. You know, he not only can he score at all three levels with the three-point shot returning to him, but he has so much potential defensively now. This season, he's averaging about a block and a steal per game as well. And the Timberwolves are actually winning games, which is the biggest knock on him, I think I could have probably said, because the Timberwolves weren't winning. He was putting up all these stats, all these numbers, but if the team wasn't winning, then what's the point? And now the team is currently the seventh seed in the Western Conference, and they're actually looking like a competent team with Carl Anthony Towns playing the way he is. Well, listen, Carl Anthony Towns has played at an all-star level since his career started. It's just these last couple of years, again, the team was pretty garbage. He was kind of going up and down. But, you know, he talked about how, like, everything that happened to him kind of just cleared up his head and just helped him focus on nothing but basketball. And credit to him, he looks like a completely different player now than he ever has. Um, one thing I've noticed for sure is that his intensity this season is on a whole nother level. 
Um, you know, he's getting in players' faces. He's, you know, really going all out, which I respect a lot. Um, and again, like I said, it makes sense given, you know, like he said, everything that he went through. But shout out, I got to shout out Chris Finch um, because of this as well. Chris Finch has taken this team to that next level. He's made them a competent team, especially in the Western Conference. Chris Finch from the Nick Nurse coaching tree, by the exactly, way. Exactly, exactly. Um, so Chris Finch is just taking them on another level, especially their offseason additions, you know, low-key additions, um, but really, really good pickups for them in terms of Patrick Beverly. I mean, Jay McDaniels, or is it Jeremy? Whichever McDaniel twin it is, um, you know, he's also been great for them. Their, their pickups on the defensive end or their players on the defensive end have really helped to balance out the team because obviously we know their potential offensively with D'Lo, Malik Beasley, Cat, uh, Anthony Edwards. But, you know, the rest of those guys have really helped them balance out the team defensively. Um, and then that's made guys like D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, um, and Carl Anthony Towns really up their game on the defensive end as well. And so, like you mentioned, the Timberwolves have been a competent team this season, and they've been pretty solid. And Carl Anthony Towns, no doubt, has been their best player, and which is why, again, um, I think he deserves a nod for the All-Star game this year. Yeah, for sure. Bringing us finally into the last two spots on the reserves list, and those are the two wildcard spots. This could be any type of player, a guard or a forward. So the first wildcard spot, we're obviously going to give this one to Luka Doncic. Uh, Luka Doncic, again, what's, you know, he's, we've talked about Luka Doncic a lot. And this is probably considered a down year in terms of whatever we've seen from Luka. I think a lot of that has to do with, obviously, the workload he's had to deal with with the Mavs. And also just playing in the Olympics, not really getting a lot of time to rest and recover. And you're kind of seeing him with that slow start. But again... He's still averaging about 24.6 points per game, 8.6 rebounds, 8.8 assists, shooting 43% from the field, and again, the the weak spot, 29% from three. But again, he's leading the Mavs uh, offensively. He's literally the Mavs offense. And again, somehow they're still the fifth seed, you know, and I think a lot of that has to do with Luka Doncic just being great in his own right. Like, he can can score, he rebounds, he playmakes. There's not there's not much the guy can't do besides maybe being defensively, but again he has the size to be a defender and when he wants to play defense, he can definitely do it. You know. Yeah, look at Doncic again. His efficiency has kind of fallen off a cliff this season. Um, you know, a lot of it has to do with injuries. Obviously, he's talked about how he needs to get his conditioning better as well. Um, you know, on the eye test, he hasn't been I don't think the most diligent in terms of his body this season, but. The fact, the fact of the matter is that Luka Doncic is still one of the best young players in the league. Um, he's still looked as arguably, you know, the heir apparent to, for example, Giannis Antetokounmpo, um, even though they're not too far apart in terms of age. But he's one of those guys that's looked to carry the mantle from guys like LeBron James and Kevin Durant. Um, and he's still been a very good all-around player on the offensive end this season. Again, the reason why the Mavericks, I think, are still as competent as they are is because somehow they've turned themselves into a good defensive team, which is very surprising. Um, they're, they're the fourth best defensive team in the league this season. And again, it's not like, I don't think they've done too much different, um, but they've basically just, it, it looks like, you know, we know their offense has been on a historic level for the past couple of years. It seems like they've just, you know, done away with the offense and just being like Luka Doncic, Jalen Brunson, you know, carry us offensively, whereas defensively is where they're putting all the effort. 
And again, I've been pleasantly surprised with Jason Kidd. So I'll give him his credit. Uh, credit where credit is due. For now. For now. But, uh, you know, Luka Doncic, again, the Mavs are still a playoff team. And they definitely weren't a represent uh, representative to the All-Star game. And for that reason, again, Luka Doncic's stats are still pretty solid. So Luka Doncic definitely deserves to be in the All-Star game. Yeah, for sure. But also, you know, the Mavs are doing well because any team Boba's on does well. Factual. He's just a goat. That's just factual information. Moving us finally into the final All-Star reserve spot. It is the final wild card spot. And this is one that, honestly, I don't think we thought too long about. It was pretty obvious considering the way his team has been playing and the way he's been playing individually. It's, and we're going to give it to Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell is averaging about 25 points a game, 4 rebounds, 5 assists, shooting 45% from the field, 34% from 3. And again, we mentioned it earlier with Rudy Gobert. They, he, they, the, the Jazz are the fourth seeded offense, fourth, are the fourth seed in the Western Conference right now. And again, a lot of that has to do with Donovan Mitchell, again, carrying the offense, being the offense on, you know, for the Utah Jazz. He can score at all three levels. He, but now he's getting support and help from guys like Rudy Gobert, you know, Mike Conley, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, uh, Joe Ingles. The Jazz have a good complementary pieces. But again, the main focus, focal point, the main guy offensively is Donovan Mitchell. And he's clearly putting up the numbers to back that up. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell, again, is their best offensive player. Like I said, Rudy Gobert, I think, is their most important offensive player. But Donovan Mitchell is definitely their best offensive player. Especially in the fact that, you know, he's asked to bail them out a lot of times. Um, guys like Boyan, uh, Joe Ingles, Jordan Clarkson, um, I'm missing somebody, uh, Mike Conley are very good in their own right. But I think, Don, you know, we look at scoring um, at an elite level and Donovan Mitchell is probably their only elite scorer on the team. And so, again, you know, there wasn't too many other players that were kind of considering for these last two spots. I mean, we could have considered them first-time All-Stars, but... In terms of again, we value who you, we value winning. We also value how good you're playing individually. So it's kind of a hybrid of what we we believe is considered an all star. And th- these two guys, Luka Doncic and Donovan Mitchell, not only are their teams winning, but they're also putting up the numbers to back that up. And again, some players that miss the cut, um, you know, like you mentioned, Andrew Wiggins, uh, Anthony Davis for sure. You know, DeAndre Ayton could have been there. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe Damian Lillard. I don't know. Mm, I don't Maybe because so. of the front fan, but, but this season, probably not. Um, yeah, I think those are the main the main snubs. Maybe yeah, Anthony Edwards is another one. Anthony Edwards, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah there wasn't too many, like... I, I think our team was pretty solid, to be honest. I think the East may have been a little bit more controversial in terms of the guy, guys that didn't make it. But I think the West is pretty solidly, you know, in place or intact as well. Yeah, for sure. And just to recap the, the reserves... For the Western Conference All-Stars, our guard spots, we have Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Our forwards are Paul George, Draymond Green, and Carl Anthony Towns. And our wild card spots are Luka Doncic and Donovan Mitchell. Once again, let us know what you guys think in the comment section on YouTube or on social media. Do you agree or disagree with our list? Uh, who would you put on this list instead? Definitely let us know. We would love to hear it. And again, it, these are just predictions and our picks on who we believe are All-Stars. They might be different than yours. But definitely let us know. We'd love to hear them too. Which brings us finally into the up and under segment to end off this episode. First and foremost, our favorite guy to talk about on this show. Um, man, he just doesn't go away. But are you up or under on Ben Simmons saying that he's gonna he's willing to sit for the whole season if he's not traded by the deadline? 
Uh, I'm under on him because because again he quit on his team. Um, <laughs> I mean know, he's way past quitting, bro. He's gone. Again, <laughs> like, no matter what anyone wants to say about oh how harsh the Philly fan base is. Oh, I'm sorry, it affects his mental health. Listen, man, maybe it affects his mental health, but we know what the real reason is. And I don't appreciate the fact that, you know, he uses mental health like that when a lot of other dudes have legit reasons. And, you know, your reason is that you don't want to work on your game and you're too entitled to, right? And, again, like, what more can be said about Ben Simmons? His, ben Simmons' defenders will always say, oh, Philly fans are too harsh, blah, 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 blah. And, again, we come from a city where we've, you know, our fan base has been known to be harsh to a lot of players, especially in terms of hockey as well. But I don't really see it that way, man. Like, Philly fans, similar to basically other fan bases, all other fan bases will support you if you play hard, if you try hard, if you work on your game. It's a work and you, ethic thing. And, and you, you know, and you play well. And Ben Simmons has done none of those things. Again, he's been good in his career, but he hasn't been the player that we all know he can be. And it really pisses off fans. And again, I'm not even a Philly fan, but it really pisses me off as a fan of the game to see a guy who's arguably, you know, a top five talent in the league play to the level that he does and then shrink the way he does and then, you know, shy away that uh, to the level that he does and, you know, try to deflect blame to the degree that he does. And again, I'm not going to blame Rich Paul in any of this because of the fact that Rich Paul is, is his agent. That's kind yeah. of what he's paid to do. So I'm not going to blame Rich Paul for this. But... Again, we know the main decision comes from Ben Simmons, and he doesn't want to come back because, you know, he, he's too scared of what the fans will say, and I think that's a bogus reason. You want to make the fans get off your back, play better, work. Listen, Joel Embiid missed his first couple of seasons in the league, but why do Philly fans adore him? Because he's worked hard to come back, he's always there, and he doesn't give up. And he gets better every he, season. He gets better. You know, Joel Embiid, I mean, he was left in tears after Kawhi hit that shot, but what did he do? He comes back and looks like a MV, near-MVP candidate last year. Again, it's the work ethic, and especially in Philadelphia, they really appreciate a blue-collar work ethic. And just Ben Simmons, clearly, he hasn't shown that he has that yet. And that's kind of why he's the fans have kind of turned on him. And they're just like, yo, all right, screw you then. But yeah, man, I'm, I'm kind of over Ben Simmons. I also think the Sixers are also kind of screwing this up because, again... You're asking for an absorbent amount of, uh, amount, but the guy isn't worth that much. Nobody wants to pay that for a guy, for for him. So it's like both sides are kind of like clashing well, and making again, it difficult. Well, again, I I can't even say anything about the Sixers because they're in a position where it's like, damn if they do, damn if they don't. You know, like they need to recoup at least, you know, a decent amount for Ben yeah. Simmons. But the problem is Ben Simmons but, has also tanked his trade value. And it's just a bad situation all around oh, yeah. that could have been resolved if Ben Simmons cared a little bit more about, you know, actually working on his game and his actual basketball career. And, the Sixers and not are, just the money and perks that came with it. And the Sixers are trying to win a championship. Like, they, if things kind of work out for them, they could realistically have a chance to win. But again, like, <laughs> like one of their best players are... Refusing to come to come to work. And again, it's bad because of the fact that it's a bad precedent. Like, imagine any other job paying you $40 million a year and you're like, nah, I don't want to come in. Yeah, well, he's getting fined anyways, so... Well, he's getting fined and he should be, but, you know, still. Like, the Philadelphia 76ers gave him $40 million a year despite 
you know, even people like us saying they shouldn't have done that when they did. Bro, I they still saying... trusted him and still gave him that 40 mil a year. And he rewarded them by doing this stuff. You know, so like, again, Ben Simmons is one of the guys that I least respect in the NBA, to be honest. And, you know, stuff like this is why a lot of people agree with me. Yeah. Uh, next up, are you up or under on the Boston Celtics trying to trade Al Horford um, and trying to acquire another big man in the process? I'm under. Why the hell would you trade for him to begin with? Like, you, that was one of your big offseason moves. We're going to trade and get Al Horford back so we can get rid of Kemba Walker. Um, okay, well, we all saw what Al Horford was last season. He's a shell of himself. Now, granted, he is better with the Celtics than he was last year with the Thunder. But again, Al Horford is, getting to, is not a type of player who's going to help you win games. He's a guy that's getting to the end of his career now. And he can do what he can. He's still serviceable in terms, in like in a, in a limited role. But he's starting games with the Boston Celtics. He can't. You you can't expect Al Horford to still be a valuable contributor when he's you're forcing him into a starting role that he's clearly not able to do anymore. And again, he was. They hoped that he would at least be able to be a stretch big for them on the offensive end and a facilitator. The playmaking is still there, but when your shot has abandoned him to the degree that it has, like he's not going to be a valuable player on the offensive side of the floor. And then again, he's slower than ever. He's older. Like, And then the contract. The contract is also difficult to move. How the hell, how do you move that? You know, it's... I don't really know what, how, what the Celtics expect to get back for him. Maybe a potential Miles Turner trade. They can use Al Horford's money as salary, but... Um, I don't. I don't see how that works. Brad Stevens is not off to a good start. No. to be honest, and it's great for us, man. It's <laughs> it's amazing for us, man. But speaking of trades, we have our I guess our uh, second. our second our second trade of I guess before the trade deadline sort of starts. All those trades start rolling in. It's a three team deal between the Denver Nuggets, the San Antonio Spurs, and the Boston Celtics. In which case, the Denver Nuggets receive Bryn Forbes from the Spurs. The Spurs receive Juancho Hernan Gomez from the Celtics. And the Celtics receive the Gold Bowl Bowl and P.J. Dozier. So, are you up on the trade? I'm up on it, simply because I want to see Bowl Bowl go to a new situation where he gets minutes. Now, again, a lot of fans gloss over the fact that Bowl Bowl has kind of sucked in the games that he's played, right? Like, let's not get that out of the way. He's very talented, but he kind of sucks. And he's a project. Right, but I do want to see him in a situation where at least he'll be able to get get more chances than he has, which was never going to happen in a win now team, uh, a win now situation like the Denver Nuggets. So I'm happy for him. PJ Dozier, hopefully, you know he recovers and then, you know wherever he goes after the Celtics, I I don't know if they'll keep him or not, but um, you know he's a good young player. Um, so hopefully he does well. And then the Nuggets, obviously, getting Bryn Forbes, Bryn Forbes. Um, you know, one of the better shooters in the league. Just another floor spacer for them. Uh, obviously, with the amount of injuries they've had, they need all the weapons that they can get. And, you know, the Spurs... I'm surprised the Spurs traded him. Like... No, nah, he sucked. He sucked, to be honest. Milwaukee also... He was also pretty trash with Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah. Uh, and then the Spurs gang, Juancho Hernan Gomez. I mean, eh, cool. Nice. Yeah. I mean, yeah, not much to it. Um, and then, yeah, finally, I guess the first trade uh, previous to this last trade was, um, are you up or under on Cam Reddish being traded to the Knicks for Kevin Knox and a 20, 2022 first-round pick that is via the Hornets? So it's the Hornets pick, technically. Um, I'm up on it for the Knicks. 
I'm under on it for the Hawks. Now, for the Knicks, obviously, again, their their season hasn't been going well at all. And gee, I wonder who, who might have called that. But... Basically, they need they need more scoring. They need another like they need more options. They can't just keep relying. They need another defender too. Yeah, and they can't just keep relying upon Julius Randle and RJ Barrett to carry the load for them. Especially while D Rose is also battling injuries as well. So going out and getting a guy like Cam Reddish, who again probably didn't get a ton of opportunity in Atlanta, will definitely get some opportunities here in New York. And again, reuniting with his Duke buddy and RJ Barrett. I think this could work out for the Knicks in terms of, again, he's a former lottery pick. He's still a good player. He he has the capability to shoot the ball. He has the tools to be a good defensive player. And you, and you got somehow got rid of Kevin Knox. I don't know how you were able to do that. But well, again, that's an L for the Knicks because they're the ones who drafted him. Yeah, they that, drafted a lottery pick in Kevin Knox. And this guy has been a bench warmer for his whole career. So, again, that's not exactly the biggest W for the Knicks. No, not at all. And somehow they were able to trade him. Uh, yeah, and getting rid of the first, I mean, it's not even your first rounder. It's a Hornets pick, which probably will be a mid-first rounder at the at the best. So, I mean, it's not a bad package to trade away for a guy who you can realistically build around and use for the future. So Yeah, and for the Hawks, I mean, Hawks oh, fans were mad, and please. rightfully so, because I don't understand really what the Hawks are doing. Now, again, granted, the pick might turn out to be something. We, you know, we could look down the line and be like, yo, they got a steal of a pick. And they drafted so-and-so, and he ended up being a star. That may happen. You never know. But Cam Reddish, in terms of who he is as a player and the potential that he has, the fact that you this is the package that you've got, and especially when they had other packages out there reportedly with um, some other quality players. I can't remember what the packages were exactly. Uh, but I know, I know that they had some other decent offers out there. I think the main point for them was to get another pick out of this. Um, but again... Giving up a guy like Cam Reddish, who's a lottery pick, who has the amount of potential that he does, and getting Kevin Knox and a Charlotte pick in return, it's pretty underwhelming. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, with that, that concludes this week's episode. Definitely, definitely, we hope you enjoyed the episode. Definitely subscribe to the show on all the various platforms. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, YouTube. Basically, wherever you can find a podcast, you can find us with the Up and Under Podcast. Also, check us out on social media, Twitter and Instagram at upletter and under podcast, facebook.com slash up and under podcast for all the latest updates whenever we post a new episode or reaction to news as they occur. Also, check out our website, upandunderpodcast.com. It's our central hub for the show. It's a place where we write blog posts with every single episode. So if you don't have time to listen or watch the full episode, you can read about it on our website. Again, stay tuned. Changes will be coming to the website shortly within the next you know couple of weeks or so. We're still ironing out all those details, but that those will be coming uh, soon. So definitely stay tuned for that. Uh, and yeah, man, trade deadline is definitely coming. So we're going to definitely see more trades kind of trickle through as more and more teams are going to be trying to either, again, tank for the rest of the season or make a run at a potential playoff run. And yeah, All-Stars are also coming up. So these were our, our official All-Star picks. We'll see what happens um, with those, obviously. And uh, hopefully the season still continues to keep moving. And yeah, we'll get to the playoffs in no, in no time. Hopefully. Hopefully. But with that, that concludes this week's episode. We'll see you guys on the next one. Take it easy. Easy.